Welcome to the Employment Law and HR Podcast with your host, Allison Colley. Hello and welcome to this episode 162 of the Employment Law and HR Podcast. I'm your host, Alison Colley. I'm an employment solicitor and HR specialist and I run the firm Real Employment Law Advice. Now this is the last episode before the Christmas break and I will be bringing you an episode between Christmas and New Year which is a bit of a roundup on the year um, and what's happened and that kind of thing so hopefully you'll be able to tune into that, you'll have time in between family celebrations and Christmas and New Year to have a listen and then in the New Year after my break I'll be bringing you an update on what's happening for 2021, any changes that we can expect and any changes that we can expect in relation to the furlough scheme. So if you don't already subscribe to the podcast, then please go ahead and subscribe on whatever you use to listen to the podcast, um, whether that's iTunes or Spotify. That way then you will get the new episodes as soon as they are available. Now I want to start this episode with a bit of a sales pitch. I normally go straight into the content, as you know, if you listen regularly. And that's because I listen to a lot of podcasts myself. And my worst thing is when they start with about three or four minutes of um, sales pitch, I always end up having to fast forward that to get to the content that I want to listen to. But hopefully, if you are a regular listener, you will understand that in the 162 episodes I've done, I've probably started the episode with the sales pitch in only a couple of those. And the reason I'm doing it now is because we are coming to the end of the year. There is a new year ahead. Lots has changed. Lots of things are going on. And often this time of year, people are thinking about the future and what they need for their business and that sort of thing. So I wanted to talk about the HR Harbour service that we provide at Real Employment Law Advice. And this is a retained service for a a fixed monthly cost at three different levels, silver, gold and platinum, where we provide various levels of unlimited support and advice for employers and HR professionals. So if it's something that you're interested in, then I'd be very happy to provide you with a quote for 2021 and you can start getting all your HR processes and procedures in place with that fixed cost. Now, we don't fix you in for any longer than a 12-month contract. I don't believe in fixing people into long contracts and in fact all of our HR Harbour customers tend to renew and some of them have been with us for many years and in fact we recently had a renewal um, in mid-December from one of our customers, a platinum customer who has been with us for two years now and I sent her an email to say look did you want to renew for another year and her response was absolutely I don't know what we would have done without you this year. So that's just a really good example of the kind of things we do for customers and why we don't tie people into 12-month contracts. We believe in you seeing the value in the service and then renewing. So if you want more information or for a no-obligation quote, you can contact me. My email is alison at realemploymentoradvice.co.uk. I'll be happy to talk you through the different levels of service and provide you with the details of the costs for that. As I say, I hope you don't mind me giving you a sales pitch, a one-off sales pitch at the end of the year. I really do believe in the HR Harbour product and the value that it provides for businesses. So if it's something that you're looking to get into place in the new year, um, please get in touch.
Now, in this week's episode, I'm going to be talking about bonus payments and when they should be paid, whether they're discretionary or contractual. And the reason I want to talk about this is because, again, typically this time of year is when businesses tend to pay bonuses, either the end of the calendar year or the end of the financial year, they tend to be tied with. And I know that lots of businesses are struggling financially. And we have been instructed by several employees who have not been paid their bonuses when they should, either during their employment or on termination. We've had a number of people contact us recently. And I think this is reflective of the economic situation out there. But I thought it would be important to update on this so that you understand what the position is and don't find yourself either tying yourself into something that you can't afford to pay or getting yourself into a legal dispute because you haven't paid. So a bonus situation is often described as being discretionary. Now sometimes it will be included in the contract as something that's available for the employee or sometimes it's offered as part of their uh, remuneration package when they start with you. So normally it'll be a basic salary plus a bonus if you hit certain targets. Now if the bonus scheme is contained within the contract, it has parameters around it about payment and is paid regularly without dispute, then in my view that would become a contractual payment. Often employers will put into the contract that they provide a bonus under certain parameters but the payment is at the discretion of the employer. Now this is where employers can run into difficulty is because whilst it might say that it's discretionary, the courts may construe the payment as being a contractual one that you're bound to pay or they might decide that you need to exercise your discretion in a manner which is reasonable. So we've got two issues there. One is where you have a contractual payment that you're obliged to pay and you don't want to pay it for whatever reason. And the other is where you think you have the discretion to pay it or not. Now, in the former case where it's contractual, if the parameters are there, as I said before, around how it should be paid, um, for example, you have a 10% bonus payment based on some performance figures of your department, then that's something that you would, in my view, be contractually bound to pay. And if you fail to pay it, you could find yourself with a breach of contract claim or potentially an unlawful deductions from wages claim. Now, if you have a bonus scheme which is described as being discretionary, then you may, again, not be safe to just not pay it. And the reason for this is because of case law that has developed over time. And what's happened is the courts have been willing to err on the side of employees in this situation and place limits on the exercise of discretion that an employer can use in a bonus scheme. So basically saying employers can exercise their discretion but they must do so reasonably and within their duty of trust and confidence for the employee. So trust and confidence is something that is two-way. Employers owe a duty of trust and confidence to their employees And that's implied in every employment relationship and employees owe the same duty to their employers. And in in the Employment Appeal Tribunal, they have pointed out that the use of the word discretionary with regards to a bonus scheme is not necessarily determinative that an employer can exercise their discretion completely when it comes to the payment. Now, in a leading case in the Appeal Tribunal, Noble Enterprises versus Lieberman, the 
Employment Appeal Tribunal decided that where the incentive bonus scheme had been paid for five consecutive years and upon resignation, Mr Lieberman was not paid his bonus payment, he should have been paid it by the employer and that they couldn't exercise their discretion not to pay it in that situation because they had paid it every year. Now, what the appeal tribunal said was the discretionary element of the scheme was around whether the bonus was actually offered each year. So they said that the employer had the discretion to remove the bonus scheme, but once they had said the bonus scheme was starting for that year, they then had to make the payments as agreed under the scheme to Mr Lieberman, even though his employment was coming to an end at the beginning of the next bonus year. So yes, they could say that they were going to take the bonus away, but once they'd started the scheme, they couldn't say halfway through or even at the end of the bonus year, you can't have the bonus that we had previously agreed. So in essence, employers must exercise their discretion in a way which is both honest and in good faith. And therefore, it would not be permissible for an employer to suddenly say at the end of a year where the bonus has been earned and agreed previously that they won't pay it because they have the discretion not to do so. Now, it may be that there are some organisations and businesses that are finding they have employees who would qualify for a bonus, even though perhaps the business has not been in profit or has not made the money to pay it. If the employee has met their requirements of the bonus scheme and everything else is as agreed, then it would be very difficult for an employer not to pay the bonus and not face a potential breach of contract claim or for the employee to potentially resign and claim a breach of trust and confidence because of the manner in which the employer has behaved. Now you may be wondering whether the bonus scheme that you have in place within your organisational business is one that you can exercise your discretion over now and whether you are bound to pay it when perhaps you previously thought that you could withdraw it or and not pay it at any time. Well, the main things that a court or tribunal will consider when they're looking at bonus schemes is firstly, whether it's um, contractual or discretionary. So if it's contractual, then I'm afraid you would be bound to pay it regardless. Then they will look at what's been the past practice in relation to a discretionary scheme. Has it been paid? Is there a reasonable expectation that it will be paid and what the amount will be? Are there certain criteria that an employee has to meet to qualify for the bonus? And has the employee met those? And how is the bonus determined? Is it based on a percentage? Is there a single figure? Is it to be decided by someone in management? How has that been agreed before? And how do you assess whether the employee would meet the requirements for that bonus scheme? They will also look at what was said when you made the offer to the employee. Was it part of their offer of employment, which they accepted? Or was it part of an offer in relation to a promotion or taking on extra responsibility? And the employment tribunal will look at all of those factors when they decide whether or not you as the employer can exercise the discretion not to pay that bonus. So what action can you take as an employer Well, if you have got a bonus scheme in place, whether that be contractual or discretionary, and you're looking at making changes to it, either this year or in forthcoming years, then you need to think very carefully about the potential legal implications for that. 
And I would strongly recommend that you get advice before making a decision. Now, I know that it's very widely thought by employers that the discretionary schemes can be applied regardless of any other parameters around the discretion and employers will often try to exercise that discretion. Now, I would again recommend that you seek advice before you communicate any decision about bonuses to current employees or employees who may be working notice or have been made redundant. Sometimes it's easier to try to resolve these things by way of negotiation or in advance of just saying, nope, we're not paying it because we have the discretion not to pay you. Clearly, financially, as I said before, it's a difficult time for everyone. And so particularly employees who are leaving their employment or who may have been made redundant will be keen to ensure that they get every single penny that they are owed or entitled to. And as I said, the last thing you want to be doing is going into the new year with a potential employment tribunal or county court claim against you that you have to defend. So I, as I say, I can't emphasise it enough. It's really important that you get advice if you have a dispute or the potential for a dispute from the very beginning. The other thing it's important to get advice about is how you implement these schemes and having a full understanding about what you're actually committing yourself to from the outset. So how is that put in writing to the employee? How is that proposal put forward? It can be very easy for managers to commit you to a payment to an employee when they're going through a recruitment process, particularly if it's somebody that you're really keen to bring on board. You might want to make promises to them uh, to induce them to come over to work for you. It's important that those managers understand what they could be committing the organisation to in an offer letter or in a conversation with an employee to try to get them to come and work with you. There are, of course, ways in which you can mitigate any risk to your organisation and to reduce the parameters around which you are having to pay bonuses, particularly as we've seen in the last year where lots of things happen that are completely out of the blue and unknown. I can think simply by way of an example, you could include within the bonus scheme detail a get out of jail free card, for example, for events that may be unforeseen uh, like a global pandemic so you could have something in there along the lines of in the event of an incident or issue or something arising out of the ordinary which disrupts the business and causes an economic downturn then we may exercise our discretion not to pay the bonus in order to ensure the viability of the business that's just something I thought of off the top of my head but you could include something along those lines that would make it very clear to an employee the situations in which they may not be paid that bonus. That's just one example I can think of, but I'm sure there are better ways of drafting it and putting it in there to ensure that you maintain discretion, which is reasonable and is applied reasonably in the circumstances so that you then don't wind up with a claim made against you. As I said, if you want any advice about this or you want to discuss it, or if you're an employee who has found yourself in a position where your employer has refused to pay a bonus to you that you believe you are due, then do get in touch with us. As I said, we have been dealing with a couple of bonus issue claims and around commission claims for employees who have been made redundant recently. So if you want to get in touch, again, my email is alison at realemploymentadvice.co.uk.
As this is the last episode before the Christmas break, I do want to take the opportunity to thank you for listening to the podcast. Thank you to everyone who has connected with me over the last year on LinkedIn or has sent an email and said how much you enjoy the podcast and how helpful you find them. I really do enjoy hearing from you and I'd love to connect with you on LinkedIn if you'd like to. If you just search for Alison Colley or Real Employment Law Advice, you'll find me on there. And as I said, I'll be back with a roundup episode between Christmas and New Year. And then we'll be back in the new year with all of the new episodes and hopefully talking about something other than furlough and more positive things for 2021. I wish you a very Merry Christmas and I hope you have a positive and very happy new year. Thanks again for listening. Just want to finalise by saying I wouldn't be a lawyer unless I had a legal disclaimer. So I must just say to you, that the information in this podcast is for information only. It's general review and a general update. It's always necessary to get specific legal advice about your circumstances. So please don't rely on anything that you've heard in this podcast. But please do feel free to contact me if you'd like further information or specific advice.